Today we're going to end our unspoken series, and it's important for us to understand, while we say we're ending the series, we can't stop what this series has kind of started and helped to move forward with a lot of people. Uh, there's been people that have come back and have made comments of uh, one of the, you know, one of the sermons, maybe they were like, you know, that, that gave me hope, or that gave me understanding, or that allowed us, like in our own family, to start talking about stuff. Here's the thing about everything that we're talking about through this entire series, and then even still today, and then even just watching, you know, that testimony is some of the stuff that we're talking about, or a lot of the stuff we're talking about, it's uncomfortable. It's extremely uncomfortable, right? And, and Pastor Matt encouraged us with this last week as we were processing stuff that our community's going through. As the church, we can't shy away from uncomfortable. Everything in me wants to shy away from uncomfortable, right? Everything in me. I mean, it, it's to the point, maybe some of you are like this. I mean, I even had a moment this week. Uh, I, I, Matt and I, I, I went to Matt on, on Monday, and I was like, he, he took the week off, and I said, hey, Monday, we're, we're just going to get out of town. Let's, let's leave town. We went to Cedar Rapids. We were sitting in a movie. I don't even know if you guys have ever had this moment. Have you ever watched even a movie, and like there's something uncomfortable like happening to the character on screen, and it was making me uncomfortable? I literally wanted to get up and walk out of the movie because it just made me uncomfortable. We want to avoid uncomfortable. I want to avoid uncomfortable. But God calls us as a church. You know, Pastor Matt again encouraged us last week with this. is like we need to be brave and courageous to push into uncomfortable. It's not easy. And it's scary. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. But sometimes just pressing into the uncomfortable, just being there in that moment brings hope. It can encourage somebody. Um, just even being willing to have the conversation or just being willing to even say, hey, I don't have anything I can say, but I'm going to let you say whatever you need to say to me. And, and just pushing into that. So as we end this series, uh, my prayer it, for myself, but also for all of us, is that we just don't end this series and then we just move on from the topic that we've been talking about and, 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 the, and the struggle of this because it continues and people are still struggling with different aspects of mental health. And, and we, even if we don't get it, even if it's something we personally haven't dealt with or that we understand, there's still power in us pushing into those moments because here's the deal. We bring Jesus with us, right? It's not that I'm pushing in. It's that I, I'm pushing in or you're pushing in and we're bringing Christ into that moment. And we're trusting that Christ knows better than we do. And, and that we're trusting that Christ will use us the way he has designed us to be used. So again, as, as we continue with this and we finish this and, and, and we move on in topic, let us not move on to having, like, having these conversations, pressing in, still seeking to understand, and allowing God to continue to use our church and use us for mighty ways with people that struggle uh, with anything that deals with mental health stuff. So uh, today we're going to talk about self-care. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, and it's interesting when, when Matt and I were debating on how to end this series, you know, one of the things that we were wanting to get through in the series and it's been brought up is we have to understand that a lot of the stuff we're talking about isn't in an issue of just try harder, 
right? We, we want to protect ourselves from this try harder mentality because there really is, in many ways, there is no way to try harder. We, we need to trust in Christ. We need to trust in the, in the power that he gives us and the grace that he gives us and the mercy he gives us. So when we started talking self-care, we, we were kind of wrestling with, well, we, we want to be careful when we talk self-care where we look at things that we can do that help us in our journey of life and, and help those that maybe struggle with some of the issues we've been talking about. But we don't want anybody to fall into this idea of like, well, I can fix it. If I do these things, I'm going to fix it. Um, or, or, you know, it's all on me that if I just try harder with these things, it's going to make it better. Uh, all of this we have to understand is laid on a foundation of trust in Jesus. Uh, trust in uh, the, the strength and power that he gives to us, uh, trust in his presence in our lives, and trust in what he's able to accomplish, not necessarily what we're able to accomplish. So I want us to understand that as we dive into self-care, that these are some great things that we can all apply to our lives. Um, whether we struggle with some of the issues we talked about, everything we're going to talk about today is stuff that we should all be paying attention to. We should all be applying to us. So I don't want anybody to check out if they're sitting there going like, well, I don't struggle with anxiety or I don't struggle with depression or I don't struggle with, you know, these things. These are all still self-care things that we should be doing on a regular basis for ourselves uh, so that we are able to live the life of abundance that Christ offers to us. So let's just understand that as we begin. So here we go. Self-care. Uh, basic definition of self-care uh, is the deliberate act of taking care of your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Okay, so real simple. It's this deliberate act. It's intentional. Okay, it's an intentional thing. It's something that we actually think through. It's something that we actually plan to do. It's something that we are deliberate and actually taking action to make it happen. Self-care does not automatically happen. It's something that, honestly, you really do have to be intentional about. And that doesn't mean that we can't have moments where we are caring for ourselves without really realizing we're doing it. But again, the best self-care is when we actually are intentional about it, we're deliberate about it, and then we're protective about it. And that's something I want us to understand this morning. We have to be protective of our own self-care. Here's one of the things I want us to understand about self-care. It's not being selfish, okay? So sometimes when we talk about self-care, we could fall into this trap of all of a sudden thinking it's, it's being selfish, right? Self-care is not being selfish. It's actually, any of us that have ever flown before, we're gonna understand this because you've heard this said when you, flown, when, when you fly. What do they tell you when they say, if the oxygen mask comes down, help get it on the person next to you if you have like a child with you or somebody that can't do them, you know, or help put it on yourself and then help them, right? They say, put it on yourself and then help them put it on. Always do it for yourself first because if you don't do it for yourself first and you have this idea that I'm gonna help everybody else, what ends up happening is you damage yourself and the ability to help the people around you. Take care of yourself, and that allows you to be the person that can then help the people around you. So self-care is not being selfish, and we have to understand that. Because one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit this morning is, here, and again, maybe, maybe I'm the only one that struggles with this, so I'm going to share it and hope that maybe somebody else can connect with this, but it's living a life sometimes falling into the traps of the expectations and demands that other people put on you. So you always feel like you're doing for everybody else. And one of the best self-care things you will ever discover is being able to graciously and lovingly look at people and say, no. But I need you, no. 
It's one of the most powerful words you will ever discover. Don't get me wrong, you can abuse the word no. It is possible to abuse this word. But it's not a bad thing to tell people no. I can't do that for you. It, it's interesting, we, live, we, we really do live as human beings where have you ever found, uh, and again, maybe I'm the only one, the one that struggles with this, but maybe you've experienced this. You ever found that when people have urgent things in their lives, they automatically think it should be urgent to you? Right? Can I let you in on a little secret? There are some experiences in life, yes, that there's an emergency at that moment that requires people to come alongside and help. There are emergency moments. But I'm going to tell you something. In most situations, just because it's an emergency to me doesn't mean I should automatically expect it to be an emergency for you. I'll give you a great example from this week. I can talk about my kids because I never offered to give them money, and I wouldn't do that anyways. <laughs> I feel like God gave them to me for a reason, and that's called sermon illustrations. <laughs> okay? So here's the deal. <laughs> Amy and I, honestly, we're... we're a lot of times we're just crazy busy, just crazy busy. And I don't remember what day it was this week. I think it was Thursday. Amy texted me and she was off at school at you and I, and she texted me and she was on her way back. And she's like, Hey, do you want to meet for lunch? Let's meet for lunch. And we don't get those moments very often. I was in Cedar Rapids at the time working. And I said, listen, I can't be there. So we figured out the time for us to meet and we got there. We get, we get our food. We just sat down, right? Just sat down. And Amy looks at her phone and, and she's like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, what? She's like, I just got a text from Libby. <laughs> we, we got her watch. They, got a, they have watches where they can send messages to us. She's like, I just got a text from Libby. Uh, she just wet her pants at school. And I'm like, okay, how bad? You know, I'm thinking, let's, let's figure out the situation here, right? Libby came back with, it, it, you know, yeah, she did. But it wasn't like, horrible, right? So everything in me in that moment was wrestling with this, well, dang, my kid's sitting at school and she kind of wet her pants. You know, we got we to gotta drop everything and we got to run to the school. That's what I'm thinking. We got we to gotta get to the school because that's embarrassing and that's horrible and it's cold out. And if you go outside, with, I mean, that's horrible, you know? I'm like, we got to fix this right now. <laughs> my wife, I love her because she taught a good lesson. She looks at me, she's like, she can wait till I'm done eating. <laughs> so I'm like, awesome, right? Kind of off though, you know, it wasn't me. But again, it's a great example, right? Here's the deal. Uh, my daughter survived, right? It wasn't horrible. It was, really wasn't. But there's these moments, right, where it's like, it's an emergency. You got to drop everything to fix my emergency. And we have to have wisdom and discernment to be able to say, I get it. That is an emergency for you. I get that. But part of self-care is for us to understand, I can't run around trying to fix everybody's emergencies. Sometimes it's, yeah, I can help you, but I can't help you right this second. Because you see it as an emergency, but sometimes it's good for us to be the, the person of calm, to say, yeah, from your perspective, that's an emergency. But I can't let that be my emergency right now because that's just not the way it's going to work. So understand that. That's part of this. Self-care, again, it's not being selfish. It's actually being wise and, and, and being able to help people the best that you can 
and honestly not turning into a person that is running from person to person's emergencies. And sometimes we can fall into that temptation because we start getting things like, well, if I'm going to be Jesus for them, I got to run to them. I got to help them. If I'm going to, if I'm going to be Jesus for them, uh, Jesus never said no. Can I tell you something? That's a lie. Jesus did say no. Um, there's a great quote as we start this that I want to share with you. This is actually from a book called Crazy Busy. Anybody ever feel that way? Just crazy busy? This is, this is what they say in the book. Jesus did not do it all. Jesus didn't meet every need. He left people in line to be healed. He left one town to go preach into another. He had, or he hid away to pray. He got tired. He never interacted with the vast majority of people on the planet. He spent 30 years in training and only three years in ministry. He did not try to do it all, and yet he did everything God asked him to do. So that's something I want us to understand when we think about self-care is we can fall into this trap that we have to do it all. We have to help every single person. We have to jump at every urgent emergency that comes along the way because we think that's what Jesus would do. Jesus didn't do that. It's actually this false idea that we can be like God and we have the ability to help everybody. It doesn't work that way. Jesus did not help everybody. Jesus made sure that he did not jump at every expectation and every demand that was put on him because Jesus understood he took on flesh and he understood to be able to be effective in the work that the Father had for him to do, he had to prioritize his own self-care because he's like, I can't do it all for everyone. And he understood that, and that's how Jesus lived. So I want us to understand that with ourselves. Self-care, again, is not being selfish. It's actually taking care of ourselves to glorify God so that we can be ready to be used by God when he needs us and when he calls upon us to be used. So anyways, I want us to also see that self-care is actually scripture. You know, we can find this in scripture. Uh, It says, dear friends, John said this to one of the letters he wrote. He says, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Right? So there's an expectation from scripture that there is health for us physically, but also it combines here that there's a spiritual element, element with this. So it's not just physical wellness. You have physical, you have emotional, uh, you have mental, and you have spiritual. And we're going to kind of walk through those, walk through those for a little bit. So let's talk about this for a second. What does self-care look like? Or one of the, one of the first steps. The first step is this. We need to protect your tank. And what I mean by that is, I don't know if you've ever heard a word this way before, but we kind of live life where I have an, a physical tank, I have an emotional tank, I have a mental tank, I have a spiritual tank. And if we're constantly giving, we're constantly giving, we're constantly giving, those tanks start depleting to the point that we're running on empty. Right? It's no different than a, than a car that would be running on empty. And if I'm constantly giving myself and, and constantly giving physically, 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 sooner or later, physically, my body's going to say enough's enough. Because you ain't got no more fuel to run on. And if you ain't got more, no more fuel to run on, you're not going to be any help to anybody. So the first one here is understanding your physical tank. Protect your physical tank. Right? There's, there's three main ways to do this. Matt talked about it a little bit last week, but just to highlight it again, there's a lot of ways to, to fill up your physical tank. Some of us might like to go get massages. Some people, you know, some of us, like here's one of the things that I like to do. 
When I'm getting really stressed out, uh, I, I kind of go through waves in this. I don't play a lot of video games, but when I do, uh, it's usually because I'm just physically exhausted and I just want to sit there and zone out. And, and I just want to sit there and play a game and, and just, it just it lets my body recharge, right? Uh, it lets me just kind of, I'm not doing anything. That's all that matters at that moment. But the three that are really important is, right, good nutrition, uh, sufficient rest or recovery. So sleep, Pastor Matt talked about last week, sleep is important, recovery, letting your body recharge. We need to be able to do that. And then, of course, exercise. That one's funny to me because I feel like that takes away more physically than it, it gives, but some people see it different than that. I haven't found that to be true yet. Um, but it's on the list, so we're going to put it out there. Um, but that's what we need to do, right? Scripturally, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? God lays it out that this physical body, this is the vehicle that God has given to us to live this life. This is the vehicle that he's given to us to be able to do the work that he's called us to do. So he, he tells us, take care of it, right? Some people are better at that than others when it comes to physica the physical element of this, but it is true. Take care of it, right? Um, I've noticed this, you know, actually I thought about this this week. I love how thoughts come into your head. So I was at Fairway, and I remember uh, I drove all the way back from Cedar Rapids. I stopped at Fairway because I had to get something. And as I'm walking into Fairway, it takes like that first 20 steps for the body to start like loosening up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so old. That's what I felt, right? I was like, physically, you could start feeling it. And I, I had this moment where I was like, well, when did this happen? And that's when God whispers, he's like, it's been happening for a long time because you haven't been taking care of yourself physically, right? So God and me, we, we've had conversations this week, and I don't like them. But God's always right. Um, but anyways, we're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has given you your body, and that is the vehicle that he wants you to glorify him in and how you care for it. So understand that. The first tank we've got to watch out for, of course, is this physical tank that he has given to us. So we are called to honor him with our physical bodies. So that's why self-care is there. Second one, emotional. All right, so we have an emotional tank. We, we have feelings that God has given to us. Now, here's the thing about feelings. Some of us are probably great at, at, at processing feelings. I am not great at processing feelings. I'm not. I'm, I'm the type, I've never really enjoyed trying to define what I'm feeling. Um, and, and by doing so, it's actually caused me many times to run on empty when it comes to my emotions. Because when I'm the type of person, that, this is what I do with my emotions, I stuff my emotions places, like I just stuff them down. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to focus on them. I don't want to address them. I, I don't want to even have anything to do with emotion whatsoever in many cases. And this is actually something that's been negative to me when it comes to my own self-care that God is trying to work me through. It's actually really funny um, for myself because I'm a person that, again, likes to stuff down emotion. I am now to the point, I don't know when this change happened, but at some point in time it happened. I can watch commercials now and get choked up. I'm like, what is going on? You know, I can watch movies now that I've seen a hundred times. And, and if there's these moments in them, uh, and what usually triggers these moments, here's the thing. This is one of the things that God really chokes me up on. Um, anytime I see like an interaction between a son and a dad, I get choked up. And I'm like, man, when did this start? So God's starting to make me have to address some of this stuff with my own emotions. So what I want us to understand with this is those three words, recognize, accept, and respond. So how do we do self-care when it comes to our emotion? Well, first off is this. Whenever we feel something, we need to recognize it for what it is. We need to actually take the time to recognize it for what it is. 
So here's the thing. Uh, I think last week Matt was sharing on this. Maybe it might have been the week before. Um, he was talking about anger. All right? Whenever I feel angry, I need to recognize my anger, but then I also need to recognize what's producing my anger because anger is a secondary emotion. Right? Instead of just focusing on my anger, I need to recognize what is it I'm feeling, and I need to recognize why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And I'm not good at this. I don't like doing it. Because then I have to address things. But here's the next thing. With emotions, as we recognize our emotions, the next thing we need to do is we need to accept them. And what I mean by accept them is you have to accept that you're actually feeling what you're feeling. It's not just recognizing it, it's accepting that I'm feeling it. All right? And by accepting it, it doesn't mean I'm giving it permission to be true or not true or whatever it is. I'm just accepting it, right? If I'm feeling jealousy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept it. I'm feeling jealousy. If I'm feeling envy, I'm going to accept it. If I'm feeling joy, I'm going to accept it. I'm not going to beat myself up for feeling it because here's the deal. A lot of times when it comes to emotion, we feel like we don't have a right to feel the things that we feel. So when we, when we feel them, we sometimes can feel guilty for feeling them, and we just don't accept that we're actually feeling it. So sometimes it's not just recognizing, we then have to understand and accept what we're feeling for what it is. I'm going to accept that I'm actually feeling this, because here's the deal. I'm still feeling it. It's a reality for me. Whether nobody else in the room is feeling what I'm feeling, I'm still feeling it. It's real to me. So I need to accept that it's real to me. But then that moves us to the respond. Because here's about emotions and feelings. When I accept what I'm feeling, the next thing I need to do is one of two things. I need to respond to it by dealing with it, accepting it and dealing with it. Or if God shows me what I'm feeling is not accurate, I need to respond by changing it. Right? Sometimes my response is, okay, I'm angry. I need to deal with my anger. I need, to, I need to feel my anger, and I need to address the thing that's making me angry. I need to embrace the emotion, and I need to deal with it. But sometimes I can get angry over stupid stuff, and God says, knock it off. Quit being a baby. You're being selfish right now. Stop it. And sometimes when I feel that anger or a different kind of emotion, God will, he'll show me in accepting it, he'll say, listen, I get you're feeling this, but this isn't the right way to be feeling right now. And he'll show me like, listen, you're not going to live in this feeling. I, I'm going to show you that you need to let go of that and you need to change what you're feeling. Sometimes we embrace it and we respond to it by living out the feeling. Sometimes we need to respond to it by trusting God to let go of it. And say, okay, God, that isn't what you're wanting me to be right now. I need to let that go. So this is part of that emotional tank. Scripture tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. What I want us to understand with this, again, is feelings are a beautiful thing that God's given to us. But because of our fallen nature, sometimes our feelings will lead us astray. And that's why we trust God. All right, God, I'm feeling it, but I'm going to trust you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lean on my understanding of what this is. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to follow your path that you've put before me, even when it comes to my emotions and even when it comes to my feelings. This is an important aspect of self-care. Because when I don't regulate my emotions, it jacks up my entire day. Because if I get in a bad mood, then I wallow in my bad mood. And that's where God says, listen, we need to process this stuff. We need to look at it, and you need to trust me. And let me lead you in the path that I have for you. Trust me in your emotions. So understand that. That's the second one. Third one is then mental. 
right? Uh, mental self-care is basically when we choose to conform our thoughts to the mind of Christ. Anybody here like me and you are sometimes scared by the thoughts that go through your head? And I'm not even their bad thoughts. Sometimes I'm just like, where in the world did that thought come from? You know, um, one of the things that God over, as I've grown, you know, grown up, you know, over the last however many years I started to grow up, um, it was in my 20s somewhere where I was like, okay, let's, let's grow up a little bit. Um, he started really showing me how easy it is to fall into judgmental attitudes and thoughts towards people. You ever notice? I mean, I struggle with that sometimes. You just kind of, you see somebody or you see something, the first thing you do is jump to just these thoughts and you're just like, where did that come from? Why am I even thinking that? To protect myself mentally is when I make the choice to conform my thoughts to Christ, right? Scripture tells us, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's what I'm called to. That's what we're called to as followers of Christ. Think about these things. So for my mental self-care is I am going to guard my mind as best I can with the power of Christ to control what I think. And when I fall into thoughts that go against what Christ would think, I need to be strong enough and humble enough to say, okay, that's not the way my brain should be working right now, and I need to get that thought out of my head. One of the number one ways that this is extremely important for us is not necessarily the thoughts about we have towards the world per se, but one of the number one things of self-care when it comes to your mental tank is how you think about yourself. Because some of us in this room are a whole lot harder on ourselves than we ever should be. Right? We got done singing this song here at the beginning. You know, I am who you say I am, right? Like, I am a child of God. This is who you say I am. And a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we live on a daily basis not thinking about ourselves the way Jesus thinks about us. And that's detrimental to our self-care because it ends up us beating ourselves up. We live in shame. We live in guilt. We live in, you know, a despair attitude. We live in unworthiness. We don't see ourselves as worthy of the things God wants from us or the things he's asking from us. A lot of us live in fear because of the way we think. I've failed in the past, so I'm going to fail in the future. God can never use me in those ways because of what I've done in my life. Our thought lives are the number one battlefield where most of us need to get down and dirty when it comes to taking a stand and saying, no, these are the thoughts. I'm not going to allow them in my head anymore because they don't line up with the truth of Jesus. If they don't line up with the mind of Christ, then I am not going to waste my time thinking these thoughts. Again, easier said than done, but scripture also tells us this. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Can I tell you something right now? There is not going to be a moment of any day of your life that you are not going to have to actively be doing this. There is never going to come a moment where you get to go on vacation when it comes to this one right here. This is a daily, every day, all day battle that every single one of us is going to have to be doing. But what I love about it is scripture tells me it's possible. I am able to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. Now here's the thing. This is one of the ways I've changed with this. I used to think that I used to like take the thought captive like I was going to lock it up somewhere, right? The problem is, is if you have this mindset that I'm going to lock it up somewhere, those little thoughts like to escape, what we need to start doing is saying, I'm going to take those thoughts, I'm going to take them captive, and I'm going to kill them. 
I'm going to execute them with the truth of God's word. I'm not just going to lock it up in the corner of my mind so that I can pull it out again someday when it wants to come back. No, I'm going to take it captive and I'm going to execute it with the truth of Jesus. And if it comes, it's, you know, if its little cousin comes back next day, I'm going to kill its cousin too. You know, like if these thoughts keep popping in, I'm going to kill that thought every time it tries to attack my mind. Because I am called to fix my eyes on what is good and honorable and excellent and praiseworthy. And that includes the thoughts we think about ourselves. Because remember, you are God's masterpiece. Which means you are good and honorable and excellent because he created you. So I'm not going to think down upon his creation with the thoughts that I allow in my mind. So anyways, there's that one. We need to take every thought captive. Okay, so now the rest of the time we're going to talk, we're going to talk about the spiritual elements of this. So the next thing I want us to do is talk about some spiritual stuff, the spiritual tank. How do we do self-care spiritually? The first one I want us to understand is this. We need to be about confession. We need to prioritize confession. I'm going to talk through three elements of confession real fast. These are the three elements that we should have in our lives on a daily basis. These, again, you'll never stop doing this if you're talking self-care. Okay? First one is this. We should be about prioritizing the confession of our faith. Scripture tells us that we openly confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So what I want us to understand with confession is it's not just about me confessing sins. I also need to be about being a person that confesses my faith. Right? Sharing with other people my journey. Sharing with other people my testimony. Sharing with other people why I trust in Jesus. Sharing Jesus with people in the church and outside the church. I am here to tell you right now, if you want to experience the abundance of life that Jesus offers, be a person that confesses your faith. Because I am telling you right now, when you're a person that likes to talk about Jesus, it makes you feel a whole lot better. This is one of the reasons I love preaching so much. I, 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 I love being able to get up and teach and all that. There have been literally days where I will wake up on a Sunday morning and everything in me does not want to be here. Everything in me does not want to get up on any platform and talk about Jesus. There are moments where I have been physically sick and unable to even stand up. I remember being at a youth retreat once. Went through three days as the speaker. The last day of the retreat, I woke up with the flu that was so bad, I literally had a blanket over me and I'm shivering. I'm in front of one of those like heaters that are like in, in garages, you know, like the big tube heaters that's got the actual flame that's like shooting out at you. I'm sitting in front of that just shaking and I'm like, I gotta preach this morning. I, I can't even stand up. But this is how awesome God is when you choose to be a person that confesses your faith. Here's the deal. That morning I got up, I preached that last message. Felt awesome the whole time doing it. As soon as I said amen, I literally collapsed in the chair. It's like God just like, I'm going to give you just what you need at this moment to talk about me. And you're going to love it. I remember the whole car, car ride home. We were in Wisconsin. Uh, I think we went through a snowstorm, if I remember right. It wasn't, it wasn't nice out. Um, normally I'm like a ball of nerves if I'm not driving in a snowstorm. I was so sick, I literally passed out in the truck and slept for like four and a half hours. I could care less that my wife was driving. We could have wrecked. I'd have no clue. But this is what I'm saying. If you want to experience the abundance, 
prioritize confessing your faith. Some of us have fallen into the trap to think we have to be quiet about our faith. We are afraid to share our faith. We're, we're afraid to share testimony of what Jesus has done for us. You gotta break free of that for your own self-care because there is power and there is abundance and there's an amazing place where you are in the presence of God when you are sharing Jesus with other people. In private conversation, in, in, in whatever element God puts you, be a person that prioritizes confession of your faith. Share him with people. You'll be amazed at how he will lift you up of the darkest places when you share him with other people. Because he reminds you of how much greater he is than the muck of life that we end up living in way too often. The second one is this. Not only confess about your faith but, we all, faith, but we also need to prioritize confession to God. Scripture tells us if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only do I want to talk to people about God, I need to be prioritizing my confession to God. See, every single day of my life, and this is true of all of us, whether you realize it or not, my own actions, many times the sin that I let creep in, it likes to build a wall between me and God. God's not building the wall between me and him. I'm building the wall between me and God. My confession is the wrecking ball that knocks that wall down. See, and sometimes I've fallen into the trap. Maybe some of you are like this too. I've fallen into the trap where I've gotten in a place where I'm afraid to go and confess to God. And, and actually what I end up doing is I walk further away from God. I'm, I'm, I'm hiding from God. I'm trying to avoid God as much as possible. And when I do that, it's like the wall gets higher and higher and thicker and thicker. And it's like God is desperately crying out to me, would you get this wall out of the way? And it's not until he gets me in a place where I have to confess that all of a sudden I feel the grace and mercy of God. God flood back into my life, I bring my confession before the Lord, and he tears down the wall that I've allowed to become between him and I. When I was a teenager, the way this would look, and I struggled with my faith, was the way this would look is uh, uh, I'd always look forward to the next youth retreat, right? And sometimes us adults do this too, like I can't wait till the next event where I can get closer to God. And Jesus is like, don't worry about the next event. Man, confession is the event. And you can do that any day of your life. You can do that at any moment. You can tear down the wall. Prioritize confession not only about God, but confession to God. The last one about confession is this. We need to prioritize confession to one another. It's not just about me sharing my confession to God. It's also confessing to one another. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So self-care is not just about me sharing things to God. It's also about me sharing things to other people. Uh, that's going to look different for each one of us. What's interesting is the way I use this right now is when I go to Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is my moment of confession to other people. It's been really fun, too. Over the last three weeks, I've gotten a lot more blunt when I share things at Celebrate Recovery in the group, right? I remember the first time I got a little, like, pretty blunt in the group. There was no judgment whatsoever. So hear me when I say that. Nobody was judging me. But it was funny because as I was sharing some things, eyes got a little bit wider. Like, there was this was like, what? Like, you can just kind of see it. Like, are you literally saying that right now? And you could almost see it on people's faces. Here's the deal. Their response didn't matter. What mattered was I was getting it out. I, I was getting it out. I felt awesome getting it out. See, confession is this amazing thing. This is going to sound a little gross, but it's the way I see it, and my brain works weird, and I'm just going to share it. When I was younger and I would get sick, 
I would do everything I could to keep that sickness inside of me. You know what I'm saying? Stomach ache. I am not throwing up. Ain't happening. Nuh-uh. I don't want to do it. It's uncomfortable. It sucks. I hate it. And I'm at the age now where my mom doesn't clean it up. She makes me clean it up. I am not puking. That was my attitude. Right? And what happens was I would just get sicker and sicker and sicker until finally I couldn't. I just, it would have to come out. Here's where I'm at now. I start feeling sick and I know what's coming. This is like I'm making myself throw up. Because I know if I get this out of me sooner rather than later, I'm going to feel a whole lot better and I'm going to have to suffer as long if I just get it out. This is how I see confession. When God, is something inside of me, God's like, you got to get it out. I, everything in me wants to hold it in and say, no, I don't want to get it out. And what happens is I actually cause myself more harm than good by keeping it in. I've learned that confession is me choosing, I'm just going to get it out. And when I get it out, I feel better. When I get it out, God's able to come in and bring healing. When I'm able to get it out, I'm able to move forward and I'm not stuck anymore in that horrible place. Some of us fight confession tooth and nail. I want to tell you, if you want to think about self-care, you got to get it out. Here's the next thing for self-care for us to understand. We also need to ruthlessly remove sin from our lives. Okay? Um, some of us might not put the, the two together sometimes with mental health and, and sin, but here's the deal. Uh, mental health is part of the broken world that we live in. Sin is part of the broken world that we live in, and they feed off each other. So we need to be p- people that ruthlessly work to, because I'm caring for myself, I want to get out of, of my life everything that's trying to harm me, everything that's trying to destroy me, everything that's trying to break me. I want to get that out, and one of the ways we do that is ruthlessly remove sin. Scripture says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, right? Scripture puts it very, lurking within you. Nobody ever does anything good when they're lurking, right? There's no such thing as that's a good thing when you're lurking around. And Scripture is saying, get rid of everything, every sin and earthly thing that's lurking within you. Have nothing to do with it. And he goes on and Paul lists some of these things. He's giving examples. He's like, have nothing to do with these things. Not because God's up there going to judge you because of it, but because when these things are in our lives, they're actually hurting us and they're harming us. And God's saying, listen, I created you for something more than this. Take care of yourself by ruthlessly removing it from you. Right? Get rid of the old nature. It says there, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Part of self-care is us ruthlessly removing that which is contradictory to Jesus and becoming more like him. That's part of our daily self-care is becoming more like Jesus. Here's the last one. The last thing with self-care is we need to rest in God's love. Now, I'm going to process this just for a moment, and I hope it makes sense, but this has been very encouraging to me as I've come to terms with this, and it's really helped me a lot in my own life. So hopefully this comes out and you understand where I'm coming from with this, but we need to rest in God's love. Notice what Paul says. He says, I pray, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, Right? And he goes on, he says, you may have power together with the Lord's holy people. 
Power to do what? To grasp how wide and how uh, high and how deep this love of Christ is and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This is Paul's prayer for the church. He's saying, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love so much so that you have the power to grasp how awesome it is and that you're able to know this love So this is what this tells me as I read this. He's saying this to Christians. He's saying this to the church. Paul is saying this to a group of people that have put their trust in Jesus, but he's saying, just because you've put your trust in Jesus, that doesn't mean you fully understand this love yet. He's like, I want you to understand this love. You're not there yet. He's telling the church, he's like, I pray that you get this. Don't miss this, is what Paul's saying. He's saying this to Christians. He's saying this to the church. I pray that you get this. I pray that you have the power to grasp it. I pray that you may know it. And then he ends it by saying that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's wrapping all of this up in the love of God. He's saying, I want you to be completely full to the measure of everything God has for you. And it's all based on resting in his love. All right, so I want us to understand that. So when Paul says, I want you to be grounded in love. What he's saying is, he's like, I want your life to be built upon this firm foundation of God's love. I want your life to be built upon the unmovable, unshakable love of God. Like nothing can touch it. That's where I want you grounded, is built upon the love that God has for you. That's the first thing he's saying. But then he's go, he goes on, he's like, but not just grounded, I want you to be rooted in it. And when you think about roots, you think about a a, a tree, he's like, I want you not only to be built upon the love of God, I want you to have a life that the roots of your life go down deep into the love of God. Because it's the love of God that's going to give you life. It's the love of God that's going to give you nourishment. It's the love of God that's going to give you real health. Right? So he's saying, I want you to dig down deep into this love. I want you to understand it. I want you to know it. And I love how he says, I want you to grasp how wide and how high and how deep. Because he's saying, this is a love that you can never reach the end of. Right? He's like, you're never going to reach the end of it. You could, you could search it for all eternity and you're never going to come to the end of God's love. And that's where he's telling us to be. So now, why do I want to share this about resting with it? Well, just track with me for a moment. Because these are the things that that really encourage me with my own self-care. And this is the first one. God has an eternal love for me that is not dependent upon me. And here's what I mean by that. The love that God has for me is not dependent on me. Meaning... In Scripture, Jesus says this before he is arrested and crucified. This is in John chapter 17. Jesus is praying for the church. He's praying for believers. And he says, basically, he says, listen, Father, I want them to know the love that you have for me that existed before the creation of anything. What he's saying is, he's like, the love that I want them to understand is the love that we share together as father and son, as the Godhead, the love that existed even before we created them. And see, this gives me comfort because what it means is this. God did not create me, he did not create us because he was lonely. God doesn't need to love us. He wants to. 
And that's freeing to me. Because God was not up in heaven sitting there going, man, we're really lonely. We better create mankind because we have nobody to love. See, God existed in perfect love before he even created Adam and Eve. God had no, he wasn't lacking love. He wasn't lacking someone to love. He was in complete perfect, unified love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How that works, I don't know. It's above my pay grade. All I know is he didn't create me because he needed me. He created me because he wanted me. He didn't create me because he needed to love me. He created me because he wanted to love me. That gives me a lot of comfort because here's what happens a lot of times. If I don't understand that, I think that my failures are dependent. Like, if I fail, then I've jacked up this love between me and God. Like, it's, a de- it's dependent upon me somehow. If I'm not doing it right, then he's not going to love me the way I need him to love me. But when I understand that he's complete without me, that it, it, it takes me off the hook, right? The, the pressure's gone. Now I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm making God angry or whether he doesn't love me as much as he used to because he doesn't need me to love me, but he wants me. He desperately wants me. And I can rest in that love that he desperately wants to give to me. Not only does he want to love me, he, this eternal love, that's, it's not dependent upon me. It's also an eternal love that I'm invited into, right? It's not that God created this new love for us. What he's done is he said, listen, there is perfect love between us as father and son. And now we want to extend that to you and we want to invite you into our love. Right? He's not up there going, well, I'm going to love you different. I'm going to love you a new way. He's saying, put your faith in my son because I'm going to bring you into our love. I'm inviting you into our love. And we need to start resting in that love. Because when we don't rest in that love, we put all the pressure on us that we have to earn his love instead of just trusting his love. Nobody in this room has to earn God's love. Nobody in this room is ever going to lose God's love. Because it's not dependent upon you. Right? God, it's not dependent upon you. But he invites you into it. He says, listen, our love is going to be complete whether you're here or not, but we want you to be part of this love. We want you part of us. We want you part of our family. And it's not dependent upon if you do it right or if you do it wrong. It's not dependent upon anything other than you just trusting us putting your faith in us, trusting in the salvation that we provide. Come rest in our love. So the thing that we're called to do, though, is we're called, Jesus calls us to intentionally remain in that love. My choice, your choice, my place in this is not to think that I have to produce God's love or I have to earn God's love or I have to create God's love. My choice is to trust in God's love and then my choice is to remain in God's love. To rest in the love that he gives to me. To rest in this place where he says, you are my child. To rest in this place where he says, my love has made you righteous. My love has made you holy. My love has made you one with us. You are now part of us because you have trusted in my love. This is what we're called to be grounded and rooted in. And this is the last scripture I want us to end on. It's the last thing that he says after he tells us to be rooted and grounded in love and to know the God of love. Listen to what he says. This has been on my mind all week. 
Now to him who is able to, to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul is saying that in connection to God's love. He's saying, listen, when you rest in my love, when you rest in the love that I have for you, I'm going to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. If you just rest in the love that I have for you, I will do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. Because that's how powerful and significant my love is for you. If you just rest. Just trust it. Just allow me to love on you. Allow me to do things for you. Allow me to care for you. Allow me to lead you. Allow me to transform you. Allow me to make you holier and holier with my presence. Allow me to glorify myself in you. Rest in my love, and I will do immeasurably more than you will ever imagine. I don't know about you, but when I think about self-care, that's the number one thing for me, is I want to be in the place where God's able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than I could ever imagine. And that's a cool life to live. So, if we're struggling with that this morning, I just encourage you, rest in his love. It's not dependent upon you. He doesn't need you. He wants you. And let him speak that deep inside of you because you're going to find an amazing life when you rest in his love. Let's pray. Gracious God, it's thank you for our, this morning. I thank you for uh, your presence here with us. I thank you for this truth of your love that is, is surrounding us, Lord. As, as we close and we sing this song again, that w- there's no fear when we stand in your love. Lord, let that truth be real to us, that your love is the thing that we are called to be rooted and grounded in, that we are called to stand upon the love of God, the love that we can't earn and the love that we can't lose. It's the love that we trust. It's the love that we take hold of. It's the love that we grow into and we, just, we desire to know and understand and to experience so that you accomplish things in our lives that we never thought were possible, Lord. Allow us not to focus on the things that try to destroy us. Let us instead focus on the love that exalts us, the love that uplifts us, the love that transforms us. It is your love that was displayed on the cross. It is your love even now as we have gathered here that you were calling us deeper and deeper into, Lord. Let us celebrate and rejoice your love. We give you praise, and thank you so much. Amen.